You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. On today's podcast, it's actually the first of a three-part series called How Bricks Are Made. And for this first part, I would like to welcome back Jack Gill, our engineering team lead, and we're going to talk about extraction of clay from the ground. Welcome, Jack. Thanks, Elizabeth. And yes, we certainly are. So let's just start with actually, obviously, clay bricks. And let's start with the main things that bricks are made out of, which is clay. Yeah, exactly. So look, the the starting process and the first step is trying to source where we actually get our clay from to make our clay bricks. So clay is one of the most abundant natural mineral materials on earth. And for brick manufacturing, clay must possess some specific properties and characteristics. So these clays that we're going to use in our bricks, they need to have a certain degree of plasticity. And that definition allows them or or plasticity is what permits them to be shaped or molded when mixed with water. And that's ultimately what allows the clay to take shape as what we know as a brick. So they must have sufficient wet and air dried strength to maintain their shape after forming. And also when they're subject to the temperatures in the kiln, which we'll get into in further episodes, the clay particles must be able to fuse together and get that additional strength from the kiln firing process. I like to say you don't have to fire up because we do that for you with clay, but let's go into the different types of clay, Jack. Yeah, so look, when it comes down to when we break it down, we sort of have three principal forms when it comes to clay and, and sort of how they naturally occur in our environment, all of which have similar chemical compositions, but slightly different physical characteristics. So we have surface clays, shales and fire clays. So with our surface clays, this is sort of an unconsolidated, unstratified clay that occurs on the surface. So what we mean by this is this is generally a surface clay that maybe the upthrusts of older deposits or more recent sedimentary formations. So these are the ones right on the top layer as we're sort of digging down and extracting. And would you sort of say, Jack, that in this instance, there's sort of around areas like riverbeds or clays or that you can sort of touch and be malleable but not do anything significant with? Yeah, definitely. So I think that's where, you know, if you go down to the creek riverbeds or if you Mm. go down somewhere and you kind of dig quite shallow into that ground or if you're building a house and you sort of excavate some of the land Mm. um, on that top layer, that's sort of the clays that we can play around with and, you know, that's where you see children going in there and getting messy with their hands and, and having a bit of fun with the clay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about shale then. Yeah, so shales are actually clays that have been subjected to high pressures. What that actually does with those high pressures is it pushes them down into a nearly hardened sort of slate almost. And so this shale that's been subjected to these higher pressures is obviously a lot harder and it almost has that sort of slate-like appearance and characteristics. All right, then we talk about fire clays. What are these ones? Yep, so fire clays are those that are usually mined at deeper levels. So when we're talking about our brick pits that we sort of see at our brick plants or adjacent to our brick plants, when you see those sort of deeper, large open pits, generally we're going down to extract these fire clays. 
And these fire clays have refractory qualities. So they have a different physical structure from shales, but are similar in their chemical composition. And what we actually then do with all of these three types of clays, depending on the type of brick we want to make, so the type of characteristics, uh, the sort of colour and how easy we want to be able to form that brick, we'll actually mix all of these three types of clay into our eventual brick mixture. It's a little bit like I've been obviously looking for an opportunity to bring wine into this, but it is a little bit like when you're mixing different types of grapes to make wine. It's very similar with clay. Would you say that's a good comparison? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you can have your Cab Sav brick, you could have your straight Shiraz brick. I mean, yeah, realistically, what, what the what the chemical engineers and what the technicians at the plant do is they essentially, it's, it's like baking a cake and they mix and match different ingredients um, depending on what sort of look they're going for. And at this point, it's sort of worth talking about the compounds and the sort of elements that are actually in these different clays. So all of these clays that we've talked about before, composed of varying degrees of silica, alumina, and some metallic oxides. And so what we mean by those is iron, magnesium, calcium, and all of these oxides and trace elements will actually influence the colour of your brick while we're actually mixing it in that big cake mixing bowl that we have at our plants. So as we mentioned before with wine, it's sort of a little bit about depending on what flavour or in this case what colour you're looking for, those are some of the elements and some of the clays that you'll have to consider when you're making your brick mixture. And obviously clays, because they are a natural resource and a natural product from the earth, they are different colours in different regions, you know. So there's often regions around Australia which are very much red brick. Some others are the more sandstone. So that's another aspect. We now transport bricks all over Australia and, in fact, all over the world. But that's one of the reasons in some areas why you see a dominance of, of red brick. Yes, yeah, certainly. I know that we've seen a dominance of red brick in Australia over the past few decades. But as you mentioned, with the sort of advent of transport technologies, we're seeing a lot more variation in brick colours, which is really exciting to see from a design perspective. So shall we move on now to, I guess, mining and storage of, of the clay and obviously what's about to make a brick? Yes, certainly, Elizabeth. And and you mentioned it's it's great to sort of transport back to what we were talking about before. You mentioned that in different parts of Australia, we have different types of clays and in different sort of localised settings, whether it be a creek, riverbed or somewhere else, you actually get these different types of clays. And so what we do when we're thinking about extracting clays and what we do when we're thinking about setting up brick plants is to make it a bit easier on ourselves it makes sense to set up our brick plants adjacent or nearby these clay deposits. So what you'll actually see, depending on where you're visiting around the state or around the country when you're going to a brick plant, is that oftentimes there will be these rich natural clay deposits right nearby. And that saves transport costs, which saves time, and it's also better for the environment. That's right. So what sort of earth-moving equipment are we looking at to get the clay from the ground? Yeah, so anything ranging from something the size of a bulldozer all the way up to scrapers and even mechanical shovels to sort of get this product chain going of getting the clay out of the ground and up to the surface level. And then obviously when it's at the surface level, being able to transport these extracted clays into somewhere where we can store them and look after them. 
And how is this typically done? I know that we we use scrapers, but what other things outside of trucks do you see around a brick production plant? Yeah, so similar if you're at an airport and you're rushing to get to your gate and you know those fancy little travelator belts that you'll hop right on. Mm -hmm. um, We do the exact same thing with clay. It's got to get to that storage area, so we'll pop it straight on a conveyor belt and send it straight up to wherever it needs to go on the plant site to be stored. So now we've got the clay to the plant. What sort of happens now with the preparation of these raw materials? So we've got sort of two main tasks that need to happen before we actually start forming our bricks. We have to crush and proportion our clays and then we actually need to grind them down and screen them so we have them at the right particle size to put into our mixture. So when it comes to crushing and proportioning, what we do is we get this raw clay material that we've now extracted and we've conveyed up to our plant and we then feed this into primary crushes which reduce the particle size to around 10 centimetres. Obviously this differs depending on the plant and also depending on the mixture we're looking to make. But the various clays, the three that we were talking about before, these are then mixed depending upon the properties required to actually create the desired brick and and most plants this can vary day to day depending on um, what quantities of bricks they're looking to make for their consumers and for their clients. All right so we've done the first sort of round of primary crushing what happens in secondary crushing? So now that we've actually got our material crushed initially and proportioned and we've started to mix it up what we'll then do is we will take it straight back onto a conveyor belt and we will carry the material for secondary crushing. So usually this is done by a pan mill with two heavy steel wheels that will crush the clay against some kind of perforated base. The dry clay then shatters into brittle pieces. We've got to remember we haven't got our water in the mixture yet. So we have this brittle clay mixture and this falls through those perforations. So where we have wet clay, this is instead squeezed through the perforations and falls between high-speed rollers to complete that grinding and screening process. So we've got the dry clay and then the wet clay and that's been crushed. What also happens at this time? Yes, so after it's been crushed, we then need to screen our mixture. And the reason we do this is we don't want oversized pieces getting into our mixture. It's the same with when you've got large pieces of unmelted butter in your cake <laughs> batter. I keep going back to that analogy, but it's it's a really great one to sort of reference. But what happens is any oversized pieces that don't fall through the screen can then be returned back up to the crushing process to be crushed back down even further. So eventually what you'll get is all that clay that's being mixed and crushed will make it down through the screening stage to be mixed. All right, so now when we talk about mixing, what are we adding here? So once screened, the material is mixed thoroughly with the correct amount of water to produce what we call a homogenous plastic clay mass. And this homogenous mass can then be sort of formed quite easily. Um, In large scale plants, the mixing process, what we might know as tempering, is done in a pug mill. I thought a pug was a type of dog. So a pug mill is a machine in which clay or other materials are mixed into that plastic state. So essentially we get our water in, it's our big mixing bowl, and it gets it into that sort of plasticky, mouldable form that we can actually then feed into our forming process to get from raw clays into what we see as the shape of bricks. Jack, that's a great summary. And now that we've taken the clay from the ground, we have crushed it, 
and we have screened it and we're mixing it now, we're going to leave this episode there. And next episode, we're going to talk about how we mould the bricks. So thank you so much for going through how bricks are made in this episode one of three today. No, thank you for having me, Elizabeth, and look forward to hearing the part two and part three. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.